0: Do you love racing? Then you've come to the right place. We discuss current topics in most asphalt series, as well as deep dives into the history of racing, race cars, and the drivers. I'm NASCAR driver Derek Cope. I share some of my personal stories, as well as highlighting those people that shaped my career and others.
1: I'm Alicia Cope, and we also take on controversial and engaging topics on many subjects, including NASCAR, as well as tips and tricks that have worked for us in building teams from scratch, Keeping relationships and finding new roads.
0: Hopefully, our experiences will inspire you to reach your own goals. Let's get started. Welcome back to Race Theory. I'm Derek Cope, uh, here with my wife, Alicia Cope, and we are coming up with episode 32 this week, and it is called What Drives You. And what drives me was, is, and always will be <laughs> racing. Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> Much to her dismay, maybe I don't know, but anyways, no, not it. It really is this this discussion about you know really about passion and and what drives people to do the things they do. You know, it, a lot of it's so unique to each individual. You know, really about how they go about the process. Really, you know, what motivates them to you know pick up and. And get started, um, you know, come up with a plan or an idea or, or something just falls in their lap and it just seems like, you know, either their parents or their father or their other, you know, their friends or whatever are doing something. And it kind of leads you to start doing something uh, and then you develop or you don't develop the traits and the things that it takes to put you in a position to really enhance. Uh, that desire, or something you know, strikes you to get you excited about something, and then something just, I think, manifests itself within you. And I, I don't know. We're just, we're just, it's kind of a discussion, baby. What, what, what are your thoughts in that regard?
1: Well, I just listened to another podcast on this, and it really resonated with what you're saying. And I think there's, there's kind of three different avenues that you can go down. And like you were saying, sometimes you're thrust into it. It's what your family did, or it's what you see your friends doing. I mean, we see our daughters being influenced, you know, in college by their major, by who their boyfriend is, who their friends are, where, you know, um, what influences you definitely can drive you as well. But if you're good at something, like you said, you ask yourself, Can I make a living at this? If you're good at photography, you're good at art, you're good at social media, you're good at racing, you're good in sports, you're good at public speaking. If you're good at something, can you make a living out of it? So passion plus talent can equal career. But what if you're really passionate about something, but you're not very good at it? Is that a good career choice? And then lastly, what if you have no passion, but you are good at it?
0: Well, I think we see that all the time. I, I've i seen that my whole life. I think you have uh, an enormous amount of disparity in how, you know, individuals, you know, perform or what they, you know, what they're doing. And you look at, you know, how they got there. You look at what they're doing at that point in time. And everyone's so uniquely different. And I think that's, that's what, you know, I think the key has always been right. I mean, if, the, if everybody was the same, then you know, the world would be quite boring, you know, and, but you look at the individual and I think if you're looking, are you looking at yourself or are you looking at somebody else and you're trying to, you know, emulate what they're doing or try to follow the path they're doing, or you want to go do what they're doing, you know, you have, Well,
1: what, why would you want to emulate someone else? Because you like, you look at the joy that they have, or you look at the money that they have,
0: or you look at the notoriety. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of, you know, in the in the years past, I think there came a time in the sport and I think a lot of it, you know, is indicative of, you know, what is, what is trending or what is, you know, um, the notoriety is there. What is on television? Or what are you seeing these people do? The interviews, the, you know, the opportunities that they're getting to represent products, you know, those, all these things, all these outside influences, I think, strike with you they they resonate with you they you know they i guess they impact you right because you're it's in your face of course and i think that's just the nature of the beast and over over time when there's so much more thrown at you it influences you to a greater degree and you start to build and make assessments and and thoughts and ideas about what you know about certain things Whether they're right or wrong or, you know, sometimes I think that bothers me the most is that people come up with an opinion based on what other people have told them. And they really don't have their own opinion. They do really just, they just try to like follow suit of what they heard, you know, and all of a sudden that's what the platform they take. That's what, that's how they believe or whatever, or they want to go down and, and do or do this thing. When you have to find it within yourself, I think key is you have to find it within yourself. What is it that is really going to please you, motivate you, drive you, you know, and something that you can truly love and have passion about? That's the most important thing.
1: Absolutely, and I think it's it's so simple. All of us, you know, listeners are probably going, okay, that's, you know, duh, but truly, Sometimes people just fall into what they do or they like you said fall into what they think you fall into an opinion And so if, if you're falling for everything you never really know what drives you as a person And so it actually is quite profound to just sit and think to yourself What is it that I really like like if if money was not An object that you needed to have right now. What is it that you would do? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Do you get out of bed every morning going, ugh, hit the snooze, then have to go to a job that you don't like? Maybe you do like your job, but it's not, it's not validating you as a person. And it's certainly not something you have passion for. So no matter what age you're at, I think it's really important to ask yourself that question periodically. You know, and you go through different seasons in your life, different chapters, and you can say, what is it that I'm doing? Is this really driving me? Because if you're, passionate about what you're doing. You show up better as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as a friend. And certainly you and I, um, You know, we've had to change gears. And it's very fortunate for us that you and I have so much commonality that we do enjoy doing the same things. And everything that we've chosen to do together in business, we have really enjoyed it. And I think um, it's one thing that we've done well, is if we're in something we don't like, we identify it pretty quickly. We say, "I don't enjoy this," and because we are entrepreneurial and we've always worked for ourselves, it's it's easy to to say, "Okay, let's either modify what we're doing so that we do enjoy it, or time to change gears completely." And um, I think we were we were fortunate with Starcom, and that was the first time we actually got paid by someone else to do that job, but we're still very independent. And, and it was still in our, our industry. It was still in something that we loved in, in racing. But, but now we find ourselves in a chapter of our lives where we're, okay, we still need to make a living, but we really want to enjoy what we do. And so, I mean, again, it's a simple question. What are you passionate about? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What drives you? So it, it's worth talking about.
0: I think earlier, you know, in like the 80s and 90s the the motorsports in general, right? They had they had their place and you know, I think you can you can really get a sense of it when you really watch old broadcasts of like races, like, you know, ESPN covering them, you know, early days CBS, right? You see how antiquated, you know, the video is and the You know, all the things that they're talking about and, you know, the way that they commentated back then, uh, there's been an evolution in all of that, right? And whether you say it's good or you say it's bad, but if you look at it from a a very simplistic nature, you, you basically, at that point in time, you deal with things a certain way as something evolves and changes, you have to change with it, right? I mean, that's just the way, that's just the way things are. If you want to stay there. If you want to stay proficient and, you know, and, you know, if you want to, you know, continue to, you know, elevate your game, let's say, uh, you know, you really have to roll with the punches and keep looking at trends and things, where things are going. And I think that's, that's the thing that, when you listen, you know, you listen, if you're listening to your elders and listen to people that have, you know, have maybe been there, they, some have vision, some don't. Some can see where the, where the things are going and what you're going to have to do. And some people just like, just are, it's very mundane for them. They just, they just don't want to deal with it. Right. And, you know, we're, we're staying in the moment. We're going to stay. And those are the people that stay in a time warp. And they just, they dig, dig, dig the way they're doing it. And they never, ever get outside that box. I, I've seen it because I've, I've experienced it. And, and I am, I'm just as guilty as everybody else when it comes to not wanting to do something that you know you, you know you need to do or you need to get better at. I was fortunate enough that I had my father, who was obviously paying me to do a job at the shop, but also was, I guess, very understanding about what I needed to do and the deficiencies that I had. And he was very quick to, <laughs> to lay out the deficiencies, you know, like, you know, first of all, you are shy. You don't look people in the eye, you know, you don't want to talk to nobody and, you know, you like to work, you'll work, but yet, you know, you want somebody just to tell you what to do and, and do it. You know, you have to think for yourself. You have hard for to me to want. see
1: you in that type of personality.
0: Yeah. Well, I, like you say, I, that, that was me. Now, I mean, physically, I can remember back to those things because I can remember back having my father open up avenues, you know, and and striving to say, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you need to do. He wanted me to take the bull by the horn, but, you know, he felt like that he was going to have to, you know, say the things like, you know, you're not going to be the best race car driver in the world. You know, you are going to have to figure things out here. You're going to have to do the things the other people don't want to do and be better at it. And so those are the things that I think I I. You see. didn't want to do, I but
1: but the desire to be a race car driver, you had to do the things that would make, that would propel you and you needed to be able to talk to people, represent people, and then later actually public speak.
0: Well, when you're, you know, you come out of thinking you're going to do something like baseball or whatever the case may be, whether that was, you know, realistic or it wasn't, bottom line is, you know, you have to try to, find your way in this world. And, you know, obviously, I've always felt like it'd be nice to have a choice (laughs) and not have something just like, you know, come your way. You go down that path and you just have to keep going down that path. And once I could see racing, it, it just, you know, it impacted me so quickly. And I mean,
1: after baseball,
0: after baseball, yeah, it impacted me so quickly that I knew that this was something that I really wanted to do. I wasn't even thinking about if I could make a living at it at that point. I didn't really care. I mean, I would have worked for food. I mean, honestly. You did work for food. I did work for food, even (laughs) years after I started. And I think that's the difference, right? You know, you think about, I I listen to some guys, right, that are, you know, trying to find a ride or they've been, you know, maybe dabbling in the sport, get some races, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, you listen to them talk, right? And. They get into a series and they think, well, you know, I'm not doing this unless I get paid. That's not unless this guy comes up with the money and, you know, pays me and and, and I do this deal, right? And I I just think back immediately as I have flashback, right? And I think to myself, well, you know, I'm not going to say anything to this guy, you know, I'm not going to say anything or, you know, give him my two cents, but I feel like that was so profoundly wrong. And and in a statement that I would have, you know, I, I wanted to just to say, you know, something if you were really that proficient or that really that good right now, you wouldn't be looking for a menial ride or a way to just get, you know, get going. You would be working for food. You would do anything. you Volunteering could. your time, volunteering your time. You would, you know, you drive this thing to this race. You'd, you know, live and you you know, you'd stay with somebody, you know, sleep in the back of the trailer at the racetrack. Those are the things that I've done. And the things that I see, but nobody has the willingness to do that anymore.
1: Well, not no one.
0: No, I, I can't say no one. I just say the people that I have come in contact with, or I feel like when you see where the do- whole dynamic is gone, you know, it's it's because everybody's involved now. Your parents, everybody else. So you have resources, you have opportunities. But when you don't, when you are three thousand miles away from some place that you want to be, you ha- and you have no money, you better figure something out and. You have to make concessions. You have to make people believe in you. you got to find some way to get a ticket to the dance.
1: Yep. make that sacrifice. So going back to, you knew that that's what you wanted. You didn't care. Can I make a living at it? You didn't care about anything else. So what, what clicked? Was there just, did it just fire you up? Uh, I know you talk about that in your book, in the first chapter. It was just like, okay, it's a done deal. This is what I want to do. And I think there's so many people that they're kind of just meandering through life thinking, what is it that really fires me up? So was it something that that you can describe?
0: I don't it's hard to It was a long time ago, but I can remember Darren and I driving the gray ghost. And I just, I don't know what it was. I just know the sense that I got, the feeling that I got when I drove that car. And I think maybe at first I was, you know, we both were a little overwhelmed with the car. It's like, what, you know, you're just trying to figure things out. You're just trying to, you know, to drive this little beast, right? But once I got over to Yakima and Darren and I were in the car at Yakima and we were, you know, we were obviously making our making our way we could drive this car it was starting to just the sense of this thing you know i mean you you are man it's i mean you're manhandling this old girl right and she just she really don't really want to do what you want her to do but you got to find a way and taking this thing and really having to apply every part of your of your being right your your eyes your senses you know your hands it's in your butt i mean every it's just touching every every Piece of you, and I—I I loved that. I loved the fact that it took everything you had. I took—I mean—you had to rely on every you had to draw deep, to find a way, and then you could watch other people doing it, and it looked effortlessly, you know. And i and, and I was like, I, I said, "How is how are these guys doing?" I mean, there's no—you know—no effort here, you know. And my dad says, <laughs> "That's just—that's just time, you know. That's just time. That's just." repetition is just, you know, you learning what it takes and getting what the car gives you and you finding a way to absorb that and absorb it quickly and assess it and make changes. So at that time, you were a word processor or you were a, you know, you were a processing, a small computer, and you were trying to just take all this stuff in, right? And then come back and, and apply it the next time. And I loved that. I just, I really, for some reason, it just, it was about me. I had to physically do it. You know, you could have the race It wasn't a team.
1: It wasn't people around you. You weren't relying on anything except the equipment you were sitting in, of course. But it was very, very much an independent sport. In
0: the beginning, right? You knew you had to have the team. The car had to work better. You had to do all these things, right? And that's what you tried to put people around you. And you learned how to put good people around you. You know, my dad was fortunate enough that we could, you know, find a guy here and there to do some things. Or, you know, we, we just tried to do the best we could with what we had. And always didn't have the best motors, you know. when used up, I mean, some trash other people had blown up that I, we could make, you know. And you know, so we always just made do, but we always had to try to outperform with less, and that intrigued me as well because that's how they drag race. That's how they did. They said, you know, beat them with ugly crap, you know, because that's all we got. Well, you know, make your mark and. At that point, it just like I say, it just took it just took something over me, and I really knew that's what I wanted to do. And at that point, it was like I didn't care what it took, and I didn't care how many hours I had to work. I didn't care if I, you know, ate or didn't eat or whatever. But I was fortunate; I was living at home still, you know. And you know, here's Dave Huge. You know, he's out there working on that car once he hired us, and he's got a divorce, living in a motor home outside, and I'm making a buck eighty a week. And, you know, I'm, I'm $180, $180 a week, <laughs> right? And, I mean, I'm paying for him to live. I'm feeding him. I'm doing things, right? And it's like, I'm not going anywhere. We're not doing anything, but we're just working and racing. And that's, that's all I cared about. And I think there's so many people like that, too. You look at the guys that, you know, work for, you know, race for a living, like Dick Trickle, guys that won all those races in ASA, you know, guys that, you know, lived to race. There's a lot of stories like mine. And I think we just, you know, you just don't know all of them, right? And there's there's those stories today, I'm sure, um, but
1: they're fewer for sure. I
0: think they're fewer because it's it's a different dynamic these days. It takes a lot more money to race these days, so you know. But I think there's ways to get in, which we have talked about on other podcasts, right? About go karting and you know, legend car racing. And you look at all these guys that have made it to serious that they started that way. They started in go karts. They started in the legend cars. They started in you know all those things. So. I think it's really important that you look deep at yourself. And I think that's the part that I, I feel like really kind of like set the, you know, me in a direction, right? So you get further on down the road and you're starting to do those things and then all of a sudden, you know, you get a break uh, or you create your break, you know. You're gonna have to get outside you're gonna have to get outside your comfort zone. You're gonna be doing things you don't like to do, you know, and I mean back then it was very I don't know, I guess it was maybe not, not so different today, I guess, you know, but, you know, RJ Reynolds was involved and they were doing so many things. So there was so much, you know, they were trying to promote all these racetracks and the series and, you know, there was just opportunities to do things. And you'd be surprised that, you know, if you just put yourself out there and you come in contact with people or people put you in contact with them. Um, I think it's important that, um,
1: well, I think it's very different. If I can interject here, R.J. Reynolds was the title sponsor, and NASCAR is used to having title sponsors. They, when it went to when I got involved, um, you know, it was uh, Nextel and then Sprint, correct? Mm-hmm. In the Cup, and so you had a title sponsor that, if they wanted drivers to go out and do things for the brand, you were doing them. Now NASCAR has gone to multitudes of title sponsors, you know, just because of lack of funding. And now it's just its own entity. So there's not as much pressure or even there's not even the expectation or the ask to the drivers that, hey, we want you to go. You have to go do this. It was almost, was it not? I mean, you didn't say, hey, I'll volunteer for this. You were told by your owners, right? You're going to go do this thing for RJ Reynolds, correct?
0: There was, uh, it was twofold. I think there was, you know, our sponsors were very, you know, dependent on you going out and being a representative of the brand, you know, so you were asked, you know, by them and then you're, you know, I don't, I, again, I don't know how it would come down, but you had people within the organization that would, you know, want you to go do appearances. When I did it with Carol Warner and, and Pure, Later, it was, it was pretty much one-on-one. It was, you know, they were there, you know, asking you know, we want to do these things and I'm willing to do anything. I mean, I'm asking them, what do we need to do? What can I do for you? You know. So, you know, they would farm me out to other, you know, auto parts stores that their brands were in and I'd make appearances on their behalf, you know. So we we're just trying to draw synergies between the, you know, the two companies or other companies. And I think with RJ Reynolds, uh, there was a lot of asks for all the drivers and a lot of other drivers, but a lot of people didn't really want to do it, right? And um I was doing, you know, things that I was, I I had experience doing already in the lower levels back in Yakima and and those areas. So it came easy to me. So, you know, once they saw that I could do it and do it proficiently and. and, But you,
1: but you offered, you offered up yourself. You said, Hey, I'm going to do this because you wanted to be um, with those people.
0: Yeah. I wanted to be utilized, you know? So when I got the opportunities to talk to those people, you know, I just, I said, look, you know, I'm willing to do all these things. The experience I have, I've done this before, so. Um, I can do a good job and I would like to do it, you know, and you know, nothing was, I wasn't, in, I wasn't sponsored by them or anything, but they were part of the series. But I knew that that was my stepping stone. You know, again, you, perception's reality. And we always hear that, right? But if people see you and they feel like that you're, you know, of magnitude or you're doing something that is in the public eye, you must be somebody. Exactly right? So it's like when you do David Letterman, you won Daytona, obviously you won the race, but you're doing Letterman. Well, I mean, so many people see this and that resonates with them and that says, okay, right. wow, this guy really, he's got it going on, right? He's in a suit, look at him, you know, he's talking to David Letterman. I mean, they're jabbing each other and then you're on the next TV show and pretty yeah. soon, you know, you look like you're OJ, you go to an airport know, you're flying commercial all the time <laughs> and you look like OJ Simpson. I mean, heads are turning, you're getting through the airport and you're almost now Now it almost sets you back because everybody's staring at you and people look at you and all of a sudden they see you are somebody and you can get a sense on how movie stars and other people have, right? Well,
1: it's like a domino effect, is it not? Because you started, you know, as a complete nobody, you, you got this modest success. And then of course, you know, Daytona 500 is, is a big deal, but all of a sudden you are thrust into the public eye. And then one thing. Gets you more things, you know, Letterman, then more gigs, then endorsements, then commercials, then, and then all of a sudden, you know, yeah. your, your name is out there you're and doing your country, face is out yeah, there. Yeah. I mean,
0: you're doing country music videos. I'm mean, doing, we were doing, I mean, Tracy Lawrence, we did country music, uh, you know, videos. We were doing visa commercials with the uh, with Richard Petty, myself, Don Hart, Rusty Wallace, all these things just keep coming your way. Right. And that's, and
1: that's perception. That's,
0: and that's what drove me. Right. That. I mean, the notoriety, you know, I knew, you know, doing those things, you know, at the time, yes, you get, you kind of get absorbed by them. You do them and they're fun and they're exciting and the attention is great, but I always knew that was the end of the means. I had to do that Mm -hmm. to stay in a, in a ride to drive the car. Ultimately, the only thing I really cared about. Was driving the car.
1: Exactly, exactly. All these things are means to an end. You might not like every step that went along the way or even the limelight that you had, but it gave you sponsorship. It gave you people who would endorse you and so that you could ultimately have a seat in a race car, in I the think, Cup Series.
0: And again, a lot of people, sometimes you just, you just kind of stumble on paths. You get, you know, you're introduced to somebody and somebody says something or somebody puts you in a position to meet somebody and then all of a sudden you realize, you know, that they're gonna do something for and then all of a sudden you realize that's I need to do that. That that's what I have to do or what and that's what's gonna get me the next deal. Or somebody gives you a little bit of money and you did something that you really didn't really set out to do or it just kind of led you down a path, right? I think you really got to be very cognizant of paths and things that come your way.
1: And you have to be open to them. I think that's key. Just like you said, you didn't have to do those appearances for RJ Reynolds and and you know go around the country, but you did and you didn't have to do those things for pure later but you said i will be on radio every day that's what propelled you you know into the perception of hey he's a big deal hey we're seeing this kid a lot and i um you and i really enjoyed i think we we're watching i think it was even last night the portland mavericks yeah. how a single a baseball team was getting triple the attendance of any triple a team and even some professional baseball teams, like huge attendance in Portland, Oregon, which wasn't even a baseball town. And then um, they used, and, and how they got there was he he was independent and he was doing some outlandish things, but they put him on, was it the Johnny Carson show? Yeah, because all of a sudden he's getting all this notoriety. He's on Johnny Carson. And like you said, you're you're on something of notoriety and all of a sudden people are like, wow, this is a big deal. All of a sudden people are like, Wow, Portland's got a baseball team, and I mean, it was just a single A team, but yet they're they're now in the archives of history because of perception is reality. They they did some outlandish things, and that's well, they their brought in story. they brought
0: in characters, they brought in you know guys that you know could play baseball, but they were unique characters, and then they started doing things you know a little more flamboyantly. You know, I mean, they're burning you know uh, brooms, you know, and doing things that you know, were, you know, outside the box, right? But once, you know, once he got the notoriety and the intensities were going, then it just kind of steamrolled, right? And then the people of Portland supported it. They enjoyed the, the antics and the fun, you know, the, and the players were up in the stands, signing autographs. They had a lot of interaction with people, the right? The
1: players made themselves they, available. They made themselves
0: available. That is correct. Yes. And I think if you look at that, if you watch that, just that one show, you you kind of get a feel for really what what you can physically do to aid in the process and you know you're not always going to get paid to do something i can tell you i did all these appearances and i didn't get paid a lot of them, you didn't get paid for and i remember uh, i remember a story uh we were you know obviously upper and you know i'd won races by then and we were you know doing a lot of these autograph sessions and we did a lot you used to do a lot of them collectively right and we were sitting i think in the charlotte coliseum i think if i remember right and i had harry gantt next to me and we were all there signing autographs, right? And uh, I, you know, signing away, signing away, you know. And uh, Harry, you know, he elbows me. He goes, so. Uh,
1: That's the handsome one, right?
0: Yes, handsome Harry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, you know, he's very soft spoken, right? And I mean, I didn't know Harry really, really well, but I mean, obviously, you know, we could talk, converse, and I thought a lot of him because he's a he's good looking guy. He's very quiet, got a great pre- you know, presence, right? And he, Elbows me, he says, uh, have they uh, brought our checks by yet? And uh, it took me back, you know, (laughs) I I, I looked at him, you know, with this odd look, you know, and I said, I said, checks. And I said, I said, I said, a check. I said, are you, are you getting paid for this deal? He goes, well, well, yeah, aren't you? And I'm like, no, (laughs) you know, and right away I'm hot. You know, and I'm like, you know, because I, I, well, yeah, I thought, well, heck, you know, everybody else here sign autographs, you know, and big Harry here, he's getting paid, you know, and I'm not getting a dime, you know, I'm thinking like, well, this, this isn't fair. Right. But now you got to eat a sense, right? Now it's like you have manifested from where you were, Like you do anything, you know, to eat and deal. And now all of a sudden you feel like you're worth something. You want to get paid. Like the Harry's getting paid. And then mm-hmm. I, just, I, I get up, I mean, I move my chair back and I'm getting up. I'm going to go have a talk with somebody. Right. You know, and Harry, Oh, whoa, 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 wait, sit down, sit down, you know?
1: Was he just joking with you? He was just you? joking with me,
0: right? <laughs> so I was like, thanks, Harry. You know, he's, he laughed, you know, he looked at me. I was like, and then, then you feel sheepish, right? You know, it's like, oh, geez, here I am, right? And you, then you, you put yourself back in your
1: spot place, right? Well, and and that, and what a self-check there. Because, That's a self-check. Because you're like, here, Harry Gant, you want him to think highly of you. And here, now you just made a fool out of yourself by thinking that the money was worth more than being in front of the audience, which is wasn't you at all. No, you would show up to every autograph session and still do for nothing. Yeah. So all of a sudden, but you just made a donkey out you, of yourself. You
0: Made a donkey yourself, right? And it, and and I think that was really a uh, a self check because it took me back. And I said to myself, you know, you you were going to get so upset because you thought somebody else was getting paid to do something that you know you you know you need to be doing anyways, right? For the fans and the people. And you know, I've never resented being out there, being the last guy to sign autographs, like Richard Petty or whatever. I, you know, I felt like that was an important aspect. And here I did that, you know? And so, like you say, that those things, you know, they still, I still remember them. And they, they were very important deals that happened to me. And at that point, it's like, I, I've never, if I got paid some money, if somebody just said, well, we really can't pay a lot. I said, you know, it's okay. I said, you know, if you got, if you guys want to pay some, well, we have, we have money to pay. Then what we we'll do. It. I said, whatever you do is fine. And I've done that, you know, to this day, right, in different things, you know, making appearances. appearance and it's like, I don't even really, it's what, it is what it is. If and you can do it, do if it. If you can do it, do it. And I think things, like you say, things come back to you. I think they always, I think always. you hear those things, right, it's karma or this and that. But honestly, I think if you, if you give, you get. And I, I honestly believe that, you know, so, uh, you know, I don't ever really feel bad about doing things and, you know, and not worrying about, you know, whether I got paid or something else that happens, you know, it just seems like there'll be, there'll be blessings and things that come along just because of, of, you know, you putting yourself out there and doing something good, right? So that was just a a little story that, you know, I've always remembered. And I think it's very relevant to what we're doing here, because I think people have to understand. You know, even when you get some notoriety, or you get to a place where you know, all of a sudden, maybe little success has come. You've been able to, like, you know, get to the point where you can drive a car for a little while, or you get a ride, or whatever. But all of a sudden, you just get your, you get big-headed, and you just kind of take off. You think you're somebody. You know, you really need to have a self-check. You really just say, look, you know what? I'm fortunate that I have this going right now, but what can I do to help this process get better and move? Forward, move the group forward, move the team forward, move myself forward, and you know, along with that. So, I think again, you talk about what drives you drives the mechanism. Correct. I think that's the biggest thing that people don't, you know, they don't think, right? They think all about themselves. It's all me, 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 right? And I, and I look at it that way, but yet I look at the mechanism because that drives everything. And so there's so many things. That's so good. There's so many ancillary things, you know, that encompass every aspect of what you're doing. And those are the intangibles that you have to really look at. Uh, And infinitely, I mean, you're, you're going to have, ultimately you're going to have things that are more important that will drive a mechanism further, faster, but every one of them is very, very important. So, you know, understanding your surroundings, understanding what you're doing, how you're doing it, what people are doing, being cognizant of what other people are having successes with. You know, those are the things you have to do. And I don't know, I, you know even like this past uh, weekend, we were racing, right? And down at the GR86s uh, in Sonoma, there's a kid that, you know, is, is running for Nitro. It's his father and owns the car, right? So this is a deal that they have having, you know, Nick bring the car and work on the car and, you know, help teach this kid by with, you know, putting the data up and doing those things. Right. But this kid, his name is Tyler Wettengo. I, I, I'm so, I really am impressed with him because this kid from the first time we, you know, ever got his car in, or, I mean, he actually came to the shop um, ahead of time and, um, as, you know, I mean, good, good looking kid, right. Got this big, big hair. You know, and uh, maybe I'm a big hair band (laughs) guy, a big hair guy. Right. So he's got this, you know, this, he's got this unique look about him and he, he comes to the shop and his car comes there. And I mean, you can sense, you can sense the excitement that this young man has for this car and this racing, you know, and obviously in the infancy of his career. Right. And he, I mean, he, he comes there and he looks at it and he rubs on it and we're, we're at the race this past weekend right and um this is the inaugural race so i mean you can just see the excitement in him and his father both his father's name's darren and but you can see how genuine, genuinely you know passionate and excited he is and every time i, I said you ready he goes oh yeah you know and you can just he doesn't have to say he doesn't say a lot but what he says and the way that he looks at you know the way that he conveys things you know and he was pressing himself. He was trying not to make mistakes because there's a lot of mistakes being made out there, and he wasn't making any. And he has kept getting more proficient, more proficient. I mean, and looking at his data, first wanting to get his data card out of the car and getting in there and trying to start looking at his data, comparing himself to um, the gentleman there, Will Rogers, we had there, you know, and trying to find a way to get faster. And I mean, he was wanting to take it home at night and look at it and critique himself, honestly. I haven't seen a lot of that in a long period of time. And he was, and he was right up there. He's a top 10 car, right? Wanting more. And, you know, those are the kinds of things you seldom see that kind of drive. And then he's out there wiping all the the tire marks off the car, you know, from the rubber hitting it or whatever. He's out there polishing his car. Wow. And I saw, William Swalich was out there doing the same thing. They're out there rubbing on these cars, and this is his his family's car. They paid for this car to put him in this position. Well,
1: when you have investment in something, it means more. You're vested. Yeah, right? you got skin in the game.
0: I mean, and his dad is, and his mom was there, and they were. I mean, you know, they were there for the right reasons, right? And to me, that that was something to behold.
1: Well, that's the way you were, and I think we we obviously are drawn to people that remind ourselves of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he did. So, so that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so
0: it was, you know, it was fun to see, you know, see finally to me, finally just see passion. I mean, just true raw passion. And you see people have the wants and they want to do things. Right. But then they do things that, you know, kind of like, you you know, I, I just sense it not being what I would really like to have it have been right and I guess I don't know why I don't know why I critique those things so much I think it's just because I truly truly love what we're doing still and I truly love auto racing and to see people have opportunities or get opportunities and they don't relish it as they much don't as you relish it right I mean I, I just I want them to really realize I mean, I'm later on in my life right I still want to be 30 something or 40 something. You'd jump
1: in the car and drive yourself if you could.
0: I, I would do anything to be able to go and have a ride of that magnitude again. I don't know. I mean, it's just, but I'm just, you know, you kind of want to live through these kids or these other people, right? And you want to see them have the intensity. What's going to take to get them to that point, right? And I don't say things. I don't talk. To, I don't say a lot, you know, just because, you know, I am an old guy and here's these kids, right? And, you know, the, a lot of kids, they don't really want to listen all the time. You know, they, they, they think they know what they're doing. They think that they're in the throes of, you know, making this thing happen, you know? And, you know, maybe they're winning a race or they're running on a pole or doing other things, right? And they're caught up in themselves and they're caught up in the whole dynamic, right?
1: And we talked a lot about that in the last well, episode. Sure. Yeah,
0: but, you know, you won't, but I mean, it really is about trying to, for me, to see the drive in people. Right. And that, that pleases me. That excites me. Um, I enjoy to see it. And, you know, I, it was just good to come home. I mean, on a dead red eye, get back and you're tired, you know, but it was really good to have seen it again. And it just reinforces the fact that it's there. There's these, there's people like that. There's kids like that, you know, and, um, you know, you just, you want to see them, you know, not go through the motions, you know, but truly, truly be engaged correct and,
1: and doing it for them even though their family might have that passion too but truly doing it for you because you've you've examined yourself and asked you know is this what drives me and even if you don't ask it in so many words even from a young age you know if this is something that just really truly inspires you to be the best that you can be at that particular discipline.
0: I think we're we're obviously talking racing because this is race theory and we, we tie it back into racing. But I think that there's so many other areas and I I look at it from a sporting perspective simply because I think it's a good thing to have kids involved in sports, in my opinion. It is. And I believe that it keeps them, it keeps them out of harm's way. You know, it, it is demanding on the parents. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that go in with it, but it also teaches them that, you know, if you, you know, you don't have as much talent, you know, passion, heart and desire and passion can overcome. And I, I honestly believe that. I believe a lot of this can be taught. I think a lot of it, you know, you have to have natu- some natural ability, good eye hand coordination or things that, you know, that are, you know, pretty much in line with what you're doing. But repetition, you know, desire, heart, asking questions, being involved, trying to get, you know, somebody to teach you. Those things go a long way into helping progress, you know, down the direction that you want
1: to go. Now, speaking of career choices, um, we started at the beginning of this episode. So you feel that if you have passion, but not necessarily good at it, so passion plus mediocre or no talent in it at the beginning, you still feel that you could go down that path as a career choice. And I'm not talking necessarily sports, but just a career choice.
0: I I believe that. I believe it really comes down to want to. I think you have to want to. The more that you want to do something, the better you're going to make yourself doing it. And I think you, if you tap into every part of your being, and then you tap into other people that have things, you you are going to be able to to get better and to be proficient at it. And a lot of times, you know, you get in and do something, you know, and you know, you're not you're not the best, right? But you have you have impressed somebody, you have, you know, impacted somebody else, and all of a sudden they want they want to help you. Exactly. So I mean it really is if you really Find something that truly, you know, excites you, and 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 you want to do it badly. I think you just got to keep pursuing it.
1: Yep. And I love your, um, your adage here, and I'm going to use it. You know, what drives you drives the mechanism. I mean, that is, is very profound because it it truly does. Because whatever drives you is going to drive other people. There's going to be someone else that that drives them as well. And when you have that commonality, it drives the entire mechanism. And what drives you is is always going to put forward momentum in what you're doing. And momentum is everything. If you've got momentum, then especially from a business standpoint, a career standpoint. I know, you know, even as a health coach, when I have momentum in my own personal health journey, then I'm living it out loud and proud. I have momentum in helping other people. It starts with me. And then if you're exuding that then other people want a piece of that and you know my business thrives when i'm thriving personally in my own journey and so no matter you're in sports you're in business whatever it is that's driving you definitely drives that mechanism
0: well people gravitate to people that have this aura about them mm-hmm. or have this style or have this you know charisma or have these profound, you know, words of, of advice or things. The, you, you I found myself gravitate to people that, you know, I mean, I, I've never been one to tell I want this guy's a star. I'm star, you know, struck by this guy. I've never been that way. Yeah, I haven't either. And I've met a lot of quality, you know, you know, great people that, you know, are Hall of Famers or, you know, have, you know, great successes. But if they'll do something or they say something or I watch something, how they carry themselves, how they enter a room, mm-hmm. how they, those are the things that I think really intrigue me because they have either learned something, it's just something of who they are, it just comes out of them, it's raw, it's, it's, you know, it's real, or they've learned something, they've done something, they've manifested something, and it doesn't matter how you got it, or how it, well, how it's gotten there, but it's there
1: yeah and having that humbleness to always want to stretch yourself always want to be more i think of jimmy johnson and i mean he's won everything there is to win right but i really do admire him from a personal standpoint he's not arrogant in the things that he's done and you know when he talks to you when he talks to you know anybody of of even his status in terms of championships it's the same and you don't feel this pushback from him and he goes from the top of the top and then is willing to humble himself and be at the bottom of the rung in another discipline because he wants to keep doing something. And I think there's something to be said for someone who can be at the top of their game, but still be comfortable when they're at the bottom of their game. And that's just being a good person yeah. and having integrity.
0: I mean, he's obviously had some you know, misfortunes or things didn't go well, uh, and, you know, even now, I mean, he's part of the, the only part of the team and, you know, their struggles they have makes one lap and gets wrecked out, things like that. But the guy, you know, he takes it well and he comes back humble. He comes back, you know, uh, in a way and puts things in a positive light. I, I like people like that. Right. Yes. And I mean, I like Jimmy Johnson. I like who he is. I like what he is and what he represents. And that's what I would like to, you know, have these young kids look at. And even the older people, you know, even guys still doing it. Right look at this guy, you know, you, that's a guy you need to try to emulate. If you want to emulate somebody, you emulate the characteristics the guy like that has. It's important. Mm-hmm. And I think the youth of today, um, they need to learn that. I think that there is, there is definitely an area that needs to be worked on. And hopefully these young kids will, will drive you know, themselves to, to be that way.
1: Well, this was a great discussion on what drives you. So I hope this um, episode definitely helped all of you. Maybe you might be struggling with um, something new or something that drives you or you want to harness something that um, is unique to you. And uh, we always appreciate your feedback, your suggestions on future episodes and uh, Derek's book, uh, Chapter 2 and Chapter 3, both coming out this month. And uh, would love to hear your feedback on that. And uh, we will see you next time.
0: All right. See you next time.
1: Thank you so much for listening. Did this episode give you some value? If so, please follow us on Facebook at Derek Hope and Instagram at Derek Hope 00. And leave a comment or question and use hashtag race theory. We can't wait to hear from you. See you on the next episode.